bring Steve Vines, though, are you? He, he was a relative of mine. I know, I could tell. <laughs> tell by your nose. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we were very close. <laughs> Talking of which, I went to see that film Noah last night. Ah, yes. It's like cruel Robbie. No, that's right, <laughs> Noah, Noah. Isn't that the bloke from New Zealand? Well, they look like it's a cross between, <laughs> the way it's, it's a cross between Mad Max, Transformers... <laughs> And Emma Watson really should have stayed in the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> but do go and see it, listeners. <laughs> What's going on with you? Well, um, I think we're, um, we're in another one of those weeks. Um, this would be part 3,422, mm -hmm. where it is possible, and uh, goodness me, it wouldn't come from me, but it is possible to say, A, the government isn't very transparent, B, that there's an amount of cronyism, and three, oh, I give up. But let's start with transparency. Uh, Kenneth Chan, uh, a member of LegCo, asked what you would have thought was the most simple and obvious of questions. Where's the door? Where's the door? <laughs> and how many people are attending Exco meetings? Fair enough. The Executive Council, if you've read the basic law, and I know that listeners read it every night. They do. The it's, do. It's by, it's by their bed tables. We'll know that the Executive Council is the highest advisory organ of government. It advises the Chief Executive, no less, um, who this week is called... Oh, never mind, I can't remember, but never mind. Um, so it's a public body scrutinising legislation, scrutinising policy. I, I mean, there's nothing that it does that isn't relevant to public policy in the public domain. So to ask the government how many of these people actually turn up to meetings doesn't seem to me to be a grossly um, difficult question, particularly as the entire executive council is only about 20 or so people. Yeah. So either there's somebody who takes the minutes of the meeting and can't count, doesn't know the names of the people who are sitting around the table, or what reason is it? So yet again, over the most ridiculous thing, the government's decided, oh, we can't, we can't tell anybody that. We can't tell anybody. We'd have to kill So them. we all assume the first assumption everybody makes is, oh, they must be hiding something. Maybe those Exco boys and girls just don't turn up. I mean, I actually don't know that. Neither do I. But the thing is, I mean, I'm glad... If you, you don't give out the information, this is what people will think. I'm glad you explained it just a little bit, what Exco actually is. Because we're all supposed to know, aren't we? But, I mean, what, you know, people... It's are in going, the basic oh, law. Think about... It's in the basic <laughs> law. Act now. Think, think, the house of, think the House of Lords in a cheap Shenzhen suit. Yeah, something like that. With, um... Except lots of those people in Exco aren't notoriously poor. I, I, I just... Put, throw that in for, for your consideration. Thanks for that. No, I know. Yes, they're, they're, they're almost my equals. So honestly. we don't want to call a register. Yeah, we don't want to call a register. Chan, okay, Chan, yes, are you here, sir? No. Boy, why weren't you here last week? <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Then we've got this mysterious case of another government body, um, which has various names, but is officially known as the Central Policy Unit. It's supposed to be the government's main think tank. Main think tank. And it's run by um, a fellow who's been very close to the chief executive. Goodness, there does seem to be a golden thread running through all these things. The word chief no. executive. No, very dare you. So, Mr Shushinpur, or whoever it is this week who runs it, but it is in fact he, who has been a, I was going to say a drinking buddy, but I think one of the problems <laughs> with... Fancy going with darts, yeah, right, son. I, I think one of the problems with the chief executive is he doesn't have any drinking buddies. Um, anyway, he runs this think tank, and um, it's a staggering coincidence, but since he took over, and since the chief executive became the chief executive, yeah. the One Country, Two Systems Institute, which was run by... 
oh, that's right, Xu Xinpoor, and had as its chairman, Lern Chung Ying, who's the chief executive, have got a whole batch of contracts Fair enough. to do work it's logic. for the central policy unit. I think this is one of those remarkable coincidences that has been brought to light. Apparently, um, they're, they're big, quite big projects. They've had about four of them since um, the uh, new administration took over. But if you don't like your cronyism big, you might like it on a sort of little modest scale. So you need to wind your way down to the Central and Western District Board, which I know is yet another institution that people who listen to this particular programme... I can't help you on that one, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) ...are very keen on and spend a lot of time focusing their attention on that. Now, when you get to the Central and Western District Board, you will find that they have a certain amount of largesse to distribute. In fact, all of the um, uh, district councils have this this money to distribute for promotion of the... Oh, we're back again, the basic law. Oh, yeah. Now, in this case, what's happened is the members of the the GAB who dominate this particular council have all got together and set up a company to, oh, that's right, promote the basic (laughs) law. So they're voting to give their own company money, which is public money. There's a Democratic legislator who's been proposing, uh, sorry, opposing this, and he's been chucked out of meetings, which I think is fair enough, because, you know, these boys are just trying to earn an extra buck or two. And they now, I mean, this just gets, this has gone too fast. They're now conducting the meetings by email, so (laughs) that nobody will actually be there to speak at them. Now, I mean, all of this, all of this happens to be happening. Incidentally, all of this has been reported on RTHK, very fine radio station, if anybody ever listens to it. Um, I, I looked today in, in an English-language newspaper. In fact, I looked in two English-language newspapers to see if any of this had been covered, and they hadn't. Not, not none of it. Not one of these three items had been covered. But anyway, ho-hum, it's obviously their decision. They They, they had a lead page story on... Oh, I don't know, I fell asleep reading it, but it, it was very interesting. Um, but my point isn't how poor the um, the, the, the printed papers are. Um, but the point are. is that we're sitting but here joking about we're it. We're joking about it, and in fact, these are matters to do with the transparency of government, the operation of government, and the lack of conflict of interest within government. And it seems to me that as week passes week... You know, you've got the really big issues of the government not doing this, that and the other. But these are kind of petty corruption type issues and and matters of lack of transparency where there's absolutely no excuse for it. I mean, if you if you go to any other system of the world where you have the equivalent of an executive council, which would be a cabinet, everybody knows. I mean, in fact... It, for example, in, 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 in Britain, where I know the cabinet system pretty well, it's such an important thing that practically no minister, you'd have to be almost hospitalised or in Afghanistan on a duty visit to miss a cabinet meeting. So, But here, apparently, Exco is, is, you know, it's the great and the good go there, and some of them occasionally pop in and some of them don't. But we, the great unwashed, aren't allowed to be told that. I, I mean, this is staggering. It really is. Why isn't there a bigger hoo-ha about this? Is it that we don't know about it? Well, I think mostly people don't know about it. I mean, you know there's also been um, last week, and we didn't we didn't get round to it because we, we were dealing with so many important things, but last week we there, were. Were, there was a meeting of this archives group who oh, are yes. trying to get the government... Sorry, there was a press conference, I should say, of the archives group, and they're trying to get the government to have a proper archives law so that records can be kept. 
Now, I mean, records, of course, are important for historians so that you, you, you really know what happened, but they're also important for the public because people have a right to know. And this isn't just a slogan, it's a real thing. People have a right to know what is happening within public bodies that affects their lives. It's a question of accountability and transparency. Mm. And when you have a system, as you have here, where records are kept in a haphazard way, records are, are, are thrown out in a haphazard way, you, you, first of all, you blot out the collective memory of Hong Kong in its recorded form. Secondly, you make sure that for those people who want to find out what really happened, you have great difficulty getting access to the source material. This is very, very bad for public policy. I was listening half and half <laughs> to Backchat yesterday, and they were talking about this. Now, maybe you'll know, I can't remember, there was a lady who's a specialist in archiving and all that sort of stuff on there. Now, I'm just, <laughs> the Brits wouldn't have just chucked everything away. I believe there's a lot of very historical stuff about Hong Kong. Oh, it was so taken the deal? back to Britain. It was, was it? taken back to the public record office. The, the, so it, it is here. Sensible... I mean, it is there. No, 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 no. It, no it, it's confusing. Um, I, I'm not an expert, but because I've had to research this for various uh, books and stuff that I've done, um, I, I know that a lot of the what was considered very sensitive material, i.e. special branch records from right. the police... Well, I bet there's and, some crackers there. Yes, <laughs> I, I imagine they are. They were literally packaged up and sent in bulk back to the United Kingdom before 1997. Okay. There are other records concerning the Hong Kong government, but these are mainly records concerning the Hong Kong's government's communications, say, with the Foreign Office, right. who was the, the, the ministry in Britain responsible for Hong Kong, which are available from the Public Records Office. Not all of them, incidentally. There's a large number of these documents, uh, even though there's a 50-year rule in Britain, which means that all these documents should be made public after 50 years. Or, sorry, 30 years, I think it is now. Whatever. Don't. Somebody will more erudite than me can correct me. Anyway, it's not 50 years. That's far too long. Anyway, the fact of the matter is that some of these documents have been... Um, uh, taken out of circulation because under the legislation in Britain the government has the ability to maintain some documents in closed files but by and large those documents are available what isn't available and what should be here somewhere is all the internal documents about what was going on in Hong Kong other than the special branch records they are either here or they're destroyed or they're in a mess somewhere wouldn't they be I mean wouldn't wouldn't they be in England no no, there's too much of it. There's really? really too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too much of it. But, I mean, but there is masses and masses of stuff. I mean, there's um, places you can go to look up some of this stuff. But you, you go to Funfield Kuntong for this very purpose. Yeah. And um, you'd just be staggered by what's not there, not by what is there. So, uh, I guess a lot of the stuff people are talking about really does date back to the heady era of 1997. <laughs> yes, yes. Gosh. Who can remember I mean, that? What sort of ago? stuff are you talking about? That you well, I mean, yeah. Let, let me just let's not go to the matters of high policy. You know, anything like Exco minutes, which incidentally in Britain you can read cabinet minutes from from that period, but of course you can't read those here. But say you were interested, and there are people who are very interested in this in housing policy. Anorex. Uh, yeah, yeah, or t-shirts as we <laughs> call them. Um, you know, you want to find out how housing policy 
was developed, what strategic decisions were taken about where to build public housing, what were the criteria for the building standards, all of these things. They're actually Do pretty you know damn how much important. material there's going to be there, Steve? I mean, it will be piles. Just it will be piles. For one, for one but if you had a proper archives law, yeah. you could find a way. I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. Other countries have done this or other states have done this, whatever you want to call them, there, there, there are ways of shorting out, sorting out the wheat from the chaff and saying, look, you know, this is important stuff. You have to keep it. You don't have to keep your bus claim receipts. Those are probably not needed for posterity. But the criteria for building standards in public housing estates that are now falling down, that's the sort of thing that we want, we need to know yeah. because it, it matters today. It's funny you mention bus receipts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. No, 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 no. I'm... <laughs> Who needs a bus receipt when your a... brother runs the buses? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. Got a couple of emails here which I would like to get to after the news. Somebody here is talking about uh, TVB and licensing and blah de blah So we, okay. if you don't mind, we go on to yeah. that. If you've got anything for Steve Vines, it's morningbrew at rthk.hk or check us out on Facebook, Morning Brew uh, on Facebook. What else are we going to get into after the news? Well, we, we're also going to get into this mysterious business, and it kind of follows on from what we're talking about, of whether there's a new government policy over Hong Kong, Hong Kong people owning Hong Kong flats. We don't know. Well, 20 to 11, still in with Steve Vines. A couple of emails to get into in just a while, so thank you for those. Morningbrew at rthk.hk. Now, let's talk a policy that is, but, but maybe isn't. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think so. Yes. Um, I, I mean, it, this is just, just bizarre beyond belief. There, there was this policy announced with great fanfare about, you, you know, um, Hong Kong homes for Hong Kong people, and there'd be certain developments that, that foreign buyers a.k.a. mainlanders, aren't allowed no, to buy. No, it's foreign buyers in general. Oh, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> I just, just, just slapped myself. Um, but anyway, that policy has been very, very successful. Um, uh, it's true that the average Hong Kong person doesn't have enough money to buy these particular so. flats, but that's their problem. Uh, anyway, but now it's been officially announced that the policy is um, definitely... Um, in force and uh, not being operated, but it may be in force if it is in force, and if it's not, it won't be. Except it so isn't. So I think that's cleared that up. I don't this this yeah. reminds me of another of the... They're always to do with housing. Do you remember, and, and who remembers, but apparently the first chief executive of the Hong Kong SAR was Tung Chi Wan. He came into office with a great flourish, saying he was going to build... I can't remember what the figure was. Lots. Um, lots and lots of apartments. <laughs> I think it was, it, was, it was a big target. And then um, it... And the person who was put in charge of that was a man who some people may know the name of, Lern Chung Ying, who, who um, was sort of heading the task force that was going to do this. And then it was not announced that the target had been abandoned. And then when, when Mr Tung was asked, well, so is it there or isn't there, he, he talked about closer relations with Mauritania. So, um, you know, I mean, I mean, what sort of monkey show is this? Is there or is there not a policy of reserving certain housing estates for Hong Kong buyers? Apparently, um, 
that's not needed anymore. So, in other words, the policy doesn't exist. Nope, says the government. Policy's still working. It's just oh, we're wicked. not I'm reading as it. you're talking. This is oh, well, you might want to read out the official line. Now, now, this is brilliant. I want you to do the subtext here. OK. I'll do subtext pauses. Right. The Development Secretary, Paul Chan... Yes, um, of, of private development fame... ..has insisted that the Hong Kong Land for Hong Kong People policy has not been shelved even as he admitted that there's no need to continue with the measure for the time being. Welcome to Narnia. Yes, so that's clear. So it's not been shelved, but it won't be continuing. What does that mean? It's a bit like the Korean War. <laughs> it's not been shelved, but it might be continuing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. He's he's like that girl who goes to the nun and says, I'm only half pregnant, sister. That's <laughs> all right, then. Yeah. Um, let me see now, whilst we're on the page. Mr. This is RTHK News, by the way. So that must be true? Yep. Mr. Chan said the number of non-local bars in the local residential property market have plummeted since taxes on transactions were raised dramatically over a year ago. So what it means is people aren't taking advantage of it? or it was never any good in the first place, or we actually don't know because who knows. But it's not been shelved and can be relaunched quickly if necessary. Ah, it's not been... Well, you see, um, Mr Chan, I'd like to explain this to you. If you've got time in between conflicted interests in buying um, properties up in the new territories which you sell back to the government, if you've got time for other things, Mr Chan, what you might understand is the word shelved means put on the shelf. It doesn't mean... Um, killed, it doesn't mean assassinated. So if it's not operating, actually, it has been shelved. Call me a pedant. You're a pedant. Oh, OK. <laughs> I feel bad now. You're a... <laughs> God, you can't make these people up, can it's you? It's just very confusing. It is confusing. Said me, understatement yeah. of the morning. Yeah, we've got an email here from a fellow with a fantastic name. It's Steve. Um, and he says... Um, he, he's... he's, he's looking again at this furore over TV licences, and he said he didn't realise that there'd been a consultation process for the renewal of uh, TVB and ATV's TV licence until he saw an advert for this Who gets consultation. This, well, exactly. Okay. And the, the advert you? he saw was just a few days before the deadline. He says, I might have been sleeping, but was this widely known and publicised? I imagine there would be many of the general public who would like to stick the boot in on this one. And then he adds, act now. <laughs> and, and let me say, let's let's let's, let's act, now. act now. I mean, you you, you know, um, I too miss that consultation. And you know, in between reading the basic law, which I do every day and at night, um, I do kind of look out for these public consultations. Where, do, where does it happen though? What well, happens? It, it's they're they're very well publicised. They they usually come. This is what I really love about them that that they're on the government website, which, uh, as you know, is a compelling piece of literature at the best of times. But they often put an advert in the paper, and what they do is, and it, it, you may say I have a suspicious mind, but but I really don't. But what they usually do is put these enormous adverts in the paper, which are full of small print. And, you know, anybody looking at it goes, all right, next. I'm not going to look at that. But that's it. it. But but somewhere in there is a thing where you can write to the blah, blah, blah bureau for the blah, blah, blah this and download blah, blah, blah form. But the fact of the matter is there's actually consultations going on by the dozen every day of the week. And you know what? Nobody knows that they exist. Very few people take part in them. Usually what happens is those with a vested interest in whatever the subject is are mobilised to, to, to put in their halfpence worth. The government 
um, that wants a certain outcome from these consultations mobilises people to write in and say, you know, oh, jolly good idea <laughs> to have, you know, nose-picking machines in every in every urban centre for for 39 people and a half. And uh, now... So, I mean, um, if Steve missed the ATV and TVB licence renewal consultation, I think actually, to be more precise, it was a general consultation on renewal of um, and granting of TV licences. But, um, you know, I mean, these stations do such a good job, it's very hard to see why anybody would um, criticise them, except for the viewers, of course. Next. Next. <laughs> Well, next, let me see. And now, here's, an, here's, here's a thing which I really find bizarre. And um, we did sort of touch on it last week. But we, we've got this ridiculous situation where members of the Democratic camp still are in two minds as to whether or not they should go up to Shanghai. I'm not surprised they might not come back. Well, if so, um, they'll have made a point. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, here is a marvellous opportunity to... Um, I don't think there will be serious consultations with the mainland authorities, but it is a marvellous opportunity. giving them a, a morning. <laughs> well, you know, they're, 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 they're saying, oh, we're going to take you to see museums and what have you. I mean, it's... it's it it's just a, won't happen. It, it's just nonsense. But the fact of the matter is that it does sort of put the mainland authorities and the Hong Kong government on the high ground. It says, look, we've offered to talk to you Democrats, and you're saying, oh, I'm not coming. So the simple thing to do, and it's really not, it's a no-brainer, is to say, all right, you've invited us up to Shanghai, we'll, we'll go. We want to talk about substantive issues. If it doesn't happen, you then tell everybody it didn't happen. But it won't. But you've got to go. <laughs> you've got to go. It's a tactic. It's not a principle. And this is the problem often with the, the, the Dems, is they don't understand Imagine. the difference between principle and tactic. The tactic is you don't allow people who don't want serious discussions with you to assume the high ground. Yeah. If you think that there won't be serious discussions, you at least have to test it. You have to be there. You say, look, I went all the way up to Shanghai. I had my notebook and my biro, which I purchased at great expense for $3, ready in my hand for talks with mainland officials. And instead, I found myself at a banquet, and then I found myself being schlepped around a museum yeah. and maybe um, have a, a new view of the Bund in the evening. You know, this wasn't good enough. But, of course, if you don't go there, and if for some bizarre reason you say, well, it's a matter of principle that I'm not going there, people say, well, yeah, you know. You can't win. You can't win. So just be a little bit smarter. That that would be my I mean, not tapence mu worth Not much this. is going to happen, is it, Steve? Oh, no, not well, much we is went, not happen. much happened, but it was jolly good fun watching long hair get waterboarded. Yeah, or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. But, you know, I mean, just every time um, the, the um, government... Or the mainland authorities set a trap for the for the Democrats. They go, oh look, there's a trap. Let's fall into it immediately. Now, most of the time, neither the central government nor indeed the SAR government show themselves to be very bright about anything at all. But very occasionally, because they know that the Dems are so predictably stupid about these things, they set a trap, and you know they they just sit back and go, look, they're marching into that <laughs> trap. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Honestly, I despair. I really do. This was the easiest thing to do. Yeah. We're invited to talks. We go to talks. The talks don't happen. We tell everybody, look, we were ready to go. They weren't ready to talk. End of story. 
But no, no, that's far too simple. Well, there's a lot more complicated ways of doing this. I've got an absolute stop presser for you here. Oh, yes? Seven people were arrested and more than a quarter of a million dollars worth of counterfeit watches and bags have been seized uh, in an anti-tout operation in <gasps> Jim Sachoy. Well, that lot will be back on the street by lunchtime, I can tell you. Yes, I'm, I'm quite shocked to hear that goes on. Do you think that goes on on a daily basis? I think it might do. Gosh, golly. Yeah. And, and, has, and there's been a crackdown? There's been a crackdown. Well, that's good. Arranging so, deck chairs on the Titanic so and the built-up area. So does that mean that next time I emerge from the Chim Sao Choi tube, I will only have six people offering me a fake watch? 